guys, thanks so much for listening to Library Overload. This is Susie. And this is Tavia. We're so glad we could have you guys listening today. Today is an awesome episode. We're super excited about it. First of all, uh, like we always say, we've got a blog on libraryoverload.home.blog. If you are looking for what we've talked about recently, all of the books we talk about will be listed there. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at libraryoverload there. super fun episode because we have a guest author on Um, (laughs) we have rj jacobs here with us today and we are going to talk about his book and then you are gone thank you so much for being here with us today rj Susie and tavia thank you so much for having me on we are very excited i loved this book loved it awesome (laughs) i'm glad thank you yeah it was super awesome so really quick a synopsis so this is called again it's called and then you were gone it just came out in march it's a suspense thriller psychological thriller it follows a woman named emily firestone she goes out for the weekend with her boyfriend on this beautiful sailing adventure they go out on their first day have some drinks have a good time she wakes up the next morning with a horrible headache and paolo is gone he's Mm -hmm. missing so they're in the middle of the lake and like where could he have gone right like it's it's quite a conundrum right so the rest of the book is emily trying to find what happened to paolo and dealing with the backlash of all of that so I guess our first question would be, so where did this idea come from? So Emily is bipolar. It's That's not mm-hmm. a spoiler. That is something that you've said several times. Why why bipolar? Where did this idea come from? Talk us through it. Um, so where did the idea come from? You know, I had been kicking around ideas about uh, writing a new story for a while. And then, you know, I kind of think that as you go through your day, you go through your life and you have a, a writer's mindset, you just sort of see opportunities. And so I had spent the weekend at a Tennessee state park and I had taken a boat out and my head kind of started working about that as a, a way that a character could disappear mysteriously. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of how I started thinking about that. It was a there's an actual state park that's pretty close to Nashville where uh, that action takes place or sort of representative of it in the book. I think you were asking also about the significance of the character having bipolar disorder. And yeah, that's different. I've never read. um, I've, I don't think I've ever read a book where a character was bipolar, but not a bad character. Like I've never seen a character in a book kind of have their shit together and happen to be bipolar. Right. Yeah. So this is actually some of my favorite feedback that I've gotten about the book is from people who have read the book and have that diagnosis and are kind of relieved that that's the case. Mm. Um, Many times people who have a bipolar diagnosis are super high functioning people. Sure. Um, About one to three percent of the population would qualify for this at any time. And you know, with the right kinds of support and uh, medications and treatment and so forth, people can pretty much like stabilize their mood and um, access all of their uh, like highest functioning qualities. Of course, in a story like this, the stakes get raised and the uh, drama gets heightened 
as my main character's supports kind of fall away. Okay. So talk to us. So Tavia had a great question. Mm -hmm. um, part of the story deals with the prejudices against people with bipolar and mental illness. Did you start mm -hmm. out knowing you wanted to address that or is that something like that came out during the writing process? Right. So I think that as I started to write the story, I realized that there was a little bit of an opportunity to sort of speak to that prejudice mm -hmm. and have uh, the, the quality of the character have sort of a deeper significance. I wanted to use the prejudice against that diagnosis. And I think a lot of mental health stigma has kind of fallen away. I should say that. Sure. But I, I do think that bipolar is a diagnosis that does have some stigma against it. Absolutely. And, I think that that's true. Yeah. And I think that I wanted to play with the sense of alienation and being alone that my character would have mm -hmm. as her supports kind of uh, express some disbelief about what she was saying. You know, it's it's one thing to kind of tell an outlandish story or to say something kind of crazy happened and I can't explain it. But it's a whole other thing to say it if you have a pattern of unstable behavior that would make you kind of an unreliable character to begin with. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to play with um, kind of the notion of her being believable to the people around her as well as to the reader. Um, I also don't think it's it's a huge spoiler to say that she actually is a pretty reliable narrator through the entire story. So I, I wanted to, to use the diagnosis part in that way. I, as someone who has, you know, suffered with depression and mental illness, I think the descriptions of mental illness that you use are just completely accurate and brilliant. Like there's one quote in here that I loved is a uh, depression felt like the shark in Jaws, <laughs> even if it wasn't visible on the surface, I knew it was always there waiting to consume me. And I just thought that was, that was so such a good. spot on brilliant description of the way that that feels. So thanks. I'm glad it felt accurate. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I don't have bipolar, so dealing with that is, you know, I'm not really sure, but mm -hmm. I can imagine if this was as accurate that the bipolar disorder was fairly accurately described as well. Mm -hmm. it, I, I, I appreciate saying that. And, you know, one of the things that I, it, it's a responsibility of mine as I write about a character who struggles with anything psychological to be respectful of it sure. because, you know, uh, if I'm not careful, I can just talk about things in sort of a clinical way that I'm kind of used to talking about it through my training. Sure. Um, but it's it's not clinical for many people. It's very personal. And so when issues come up or I've, I've gone to speak at different places, I have to make sure that I acknowledge that probably the people in the audience either have suffered from a diagnosis like this or have a family member who has. Mm -hmm. And I want to be really kind of respectful and sensitive about it. Mm. Now, going back to the water that's used a lot in this book. Yeah, I was just wondering about the recurring theme that you have of drowning. Do you think that that has any correlation with the feelings that you have from depression and anxiety? And like you say, with, you know, depression being there right under the surface waiting to consume you, mm -hmm. do you think that that relates to the way mental illness feels? It's a great question. And... You know, to answer it, I guess I would say that I think that depression and mental illness feel different to different people. Um, when I thought about that theme, the original title of the story was Immersed. Mm. And what I wanted was my character to get more and more drawn into the mystery of it. Sure. Um, 
But when I think about what the sense of drowning or the sense of being surrounded would have to do with mental illness, the word that comes most immediately to mind is overwhelmed. Um, I think that for a lot of people who suffer specifically with depression, but also kind of the anxious end of that, is this sense of everything kind of crumbling at once and not knowing where to start to kind of start to address everything. And people do sort of describe a sense of being kind of surrounded or sort of drowning or suffocating in something or not being able to kind of get a breath. Um, it's interestingly, uh, one of the techniques that probably comes first when it comes to managing anxiety is to practice deep breathing exercises, which is a very simple and effective intervention for kind of slowing down uh, that parasympathetic nervous system response. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that was a really great answer. <laughs> so taking a step back for a second. So this is a thriller or a psychological thriller. Why that genre? Did Is there a re Do you like that genre specifically or why choose that? That is such a great question. And to be really candid, I've struggled a bit with that. I mm -hmm. think that most of the, the books that I read are more literary and it's been a little bit of an adjustment for me as a mystery or thriller writer to in, internalize and understand um, and play by the rules of that genre sure. so that uh, I'm meeting the expectations of readers and in the editing process I've learned a lot about what those expectations are and the timing of certain things and how events in the story have to be paced so that a reader wouldn't get bored or feel like um, the action of the story hasn't happened quite yet. Right. So for that reason, I've been in the last couple of years trying to read more books in the genre that I'm writing in. Um, and I've, it's, it's I don't know how to answer that question except to say that um, I've been learning a lot about the genre as I've been writing in it to try to uh, do a better job with it. Well, for me personally, I loved it. I didn't see the twists coming, so you had me the whole time. Sure. I was That's dying good to, hear. to, finish, with, to sure. finish it to see what was going to happen. And I feel like with the thriller, going back to what you were saying about pacing, like this genre specifically, you're right. It does have a very specific set of rules when it comes to pacing. Like in the first chapter, mm -hmm. something has to grab you. And if it doesn't, mm -hmm. it's kind of like, oh, well, <laughs> like, right. and so, and then, right. so you have to start it up high and then it goes down and it builds up until the final mm -hmm. couple of chapters. And I think that you did that brilliantly and not in a way that was easily guessed, easily seen mm -hmm. coming. I think it was, I think it was done beautifully. Right. Susie says on her, when she, when she reads the thrillers and stuff like that, she usually can figure them out mm -hmm. and she, she was surprised here. So I think that's a pretty good sign. That's great. Actually, I'm really happy to hear that. I know. I was texting Tavia when I got um, to the end of chapter 28, something really like, dun, dun, dun. I know. She like and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> she just literally, she just texted chapter 28. I was like, I'm not there yet. <laughs> it was pretty funny, though. That's great, um, though. I, um, I have to, uh, this is where working with an editor that you really trust comes in handy because... I think that I get pretty interested in the characters themselves and the development of a personality and the conflicts within mm -hmm. a character. 
And that part that you're talking about, the building of suspense and the mm-hmm. it all and uh, kind of creating twists and telling the story in a way that isn't predictable, that it's probably the hard part for a lot of mystery thriller writers. But um, I have to kind of keep reminding myself to foreground the storytelling mm-hmm. um, and not focus so much on the, the character development and mm-hmm. sort of character driven fiction part that. Uh, has interested me. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's completely plot-driven. So in this genre, you're lucky if you get a well-thought-out character. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so it's that's that was really, really, really great to me to read. Mm-hmm. So going to, kind of going back out a little bit more, I know that you're on Goodreads, and of course your book is being sold on Amazon and things like that. So on Goodreads, you're rated really well so far. You're um, you're just over three and a half stars out of five, which is that's really awesome. That's really great. And then on Amazon, you're rated four stars right now. What, what do awesome. you? I know. <laughs> I did some research. So, do you have any thoughts or feelings on uh, ratings that you've seen? Like, I'm sure, like family and friends that have read your book have rated. But if, are you seeing people that you don't know rate your book? And how, what are your feelings on that? You know, that was such an interesting experience when it first started to happen. And I, since this is my first book, I didn't, I would go and I didn't know what to expect. Um, Usually people are pretty kind about it. Um, That's good. Yeah, it's nice. It's a very vulnerable position. And Uh, I hadn't quite um, expected exactly like what feeling all the feedback would be like really I'm very happy if anybody takes the time to pick up my book and read it at all, read in the world, Mm -hmm. that I feel very complimented Mm -hmm. if somebody chooses my book to read, whether or not they feel like it really works for them. Mm -hmm. Every once in a while, somebody just uh, totally rags on it. And, you know, you have to kind of take that stuff with a grain of salt. Uh, I really take it too personally. And, you know, there's, there's a whole library, whole book store of things to read out there. And this plenty of stuff that's available. So uh, <laughs> if somebody doesn't like it, I hope they'll choose something else. It's great. <laughs> right. I and mean, that's what, something that we talk about all the time is, you know, what may be for me might not be for somebody else. But oh yeah, um, mm-hmm. I think everyone should go out and get this book immediately because it's super awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think that the cover is so eye-catching like Mm -hmm. it's really really beautiful did you have a were you as a first-time author did you have a hand in at all pick choosing that probably the most is that i had so little to do with how the cover would look (laughs) um really like i think my part in it was just saying oh my gosh this looks amazing thanks so much Uh, you could totally be like this was all my idea i chose this in fact i I drew it (laughs) somebody told me once that when you're writing it's really an individual pursuit but that publishing just feels much more like a team sport and this is an example of that for sure this is where my editor my publisher really kind of came through uh, because I think you're great. You're right. The cover looks amazing, and uh, I, I wish I could take credit for it. Uh, <laughs> it's um, interesting. It makes me want to go swimming, but then you like read the book, and that and makes you like, never want to go near water again. <laughs> yeah, right. It's I like how it looks really mysterious, and mm-hmm. um, in a way, it's sort of beautiful, but also ominous at the same time. Yeah. Oh, totally. It's mm-hmm. like, is Paolo there? Is he like right there? <laughs> right. <laughs> Did you, when you started out, did you know that like you wanted 
part of the plot to be the bipolar disorder helping her be able to solve the mysteries because that's kind of that's she uses her manic states to help her figure out mm-hmm. things did you know you wanted to do that absolutely that was actually the thing that probably drew me the most to working with a character who had that disorder is i wanted that be almost like a superpower you know i wanted um that manic state that would be a liability with a thing that would alienate her from most people to be necessary to unravel the mystery and kind of get to the bottom of it at the end so uh in fact that was the thing that kind of appealed to me most about that it's hmm. pretty awesome very cool mm. i know i had another question but now i forget it you should have taken notes I have notes. <laughs> we have an, a running thing where Susie takes copious amounts of notes, and I hardly ever have any. So. <laughs> just keep it all straight. Right. I just, I'm yeah. not that organized. <laughs> and I am like OCD organized, yeah. but only about like weird things, not anything that truly matters. She's very type A. <laughs> That's interesting. This is a bit of a tangent, but I have to say that I've really come to think of organization as being an anxiety management strategy in oh, that yeah. it helps kind of keep everything straight and reduces the amount of bandwidth that it takes for you to kind of keep everything together or sequential in your head. So I think a lot of times when people are uh, making notes in their day planner or keeping things straight, like in a list that they, they do it to reduce their anxiety. My very own psychologist, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I completely agree. I can, I 100% can see it when I'm when I'm doing it myself, especially because I know my issues are with control, um, mm-hmm. and so when there are things that I cannot control, the things that I can, I I go above and beyond. So I I I 100% see it, and when things are going wrong, if things don't go my way, like I I lose my mind. Like mm-hmm. so, yeah, it, you're completely right, Mister Mister Doctor Man. I have um. <laughs> an inability to make decisions and i guess that's where my lack of planning comes from i'm just like yeah whatever it'll happen i'll just just be whatever it'll figure it out yeah i think that there's that's kind of a life philosophy in a lot of ways is that um you know you kind of don't know how you're going to feel when the time arrives and don't want to be boxed into a to a commitment Mm -hmm. i remembered my question i got there (laughs) i had a thought i was gonna say at my wedding this uh, lack of decision making drove everyone crazy. I swear, I think if my sister and Susie hadn't stepped in, my wedding probably never would have actually happened. Good Lord, <laughs> it was it was a rough day. It it, it happened though. I was, was like, fine. I need hair, and makeup, and a drink, and everyone else could just figure it out. <laughs> and, and that's what happened. It is, and I enjoyed it. <laughs> okay, going back to poor Emily. So in the midst, I thought she was brilliant. I didn't think she was poor. Emily. No, no, no. She was amazing, but she had some low moments. Oh yeah, she did. She, um, she went through some stuff. So towards the middle, and then of course the end, where she was, she was taking a little bit longer and longer to remember to take her medications. I really mm. enjoyed her check-ins, being like, "Okay, when was the last time I took medicine? It's been thirty-two hours. I'm okay." And then as you got along, like she just stopped counting altogether how many hours mm-hmm. it had been. And I thought that was really cool because it, it caught you up to how long time has passed, like how long it's been. But also it kind of kept you at this state of like, oh, something's going to happen. Yeah. I'm glad you, you had that experience. That's kind of what I had hoped would happen. Mm. I wanted to have that sense in the reader, like, 
this kind of oh no like you know you know like in a in a horror movie where you think oh please don't go in there or, oh I you know, know. yeah I, I kind of wanted a little bit of that where I wanted the reader to feel like please just keep taking your medication yeah I did uh, feel like that for sure <laughs> yeah but at the same time though the only reason the only way this wraps up you know is that she's gonna get it she's gonna figure it out right because she's not gonna stop until she does right mm-hmm. right one thing that I've I learned a lot about in writing this is I, when I started I really wanted it to be as accurate as possible and with someone who is struggling with bipolar disorder the depression part is usually much more pronounced than the manic part mm-hmm. uh, usually not proportionate at all usually the the manic episode is pretty quick and after Apollo's disappearance in the original manuscript, there was a pretty extended period of mm. low mood. And mm-hmm. uh, the feedback that I got was re- really, you've got to condense that pretty fast. Gotcha. Because in the same way that um, it is tough for the people around someone who is depressed, it's pretty tough to read about depression. Right. Um, you can sink your own mood as a reader. And I think that that was kind of a, uh, a moment of increased empathy for readers <laughs> in me uh, when people said like, hey, this might be kind of technically correct, but really you've got to make this a little bit easier and, and more fun to sit with. So that, that was a different understanding. Oh, that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like Tavi and I have talked ad nauseum about uh, book hangovers and how after you read something that's just so good or just completely pulls your soul apart, like for days it takes you a, sometimes days to move on from that and get over it and find mm-hmm. something else to mm-hmm. to bring you back up again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I totally get that. Mm-hmm. So talking about your next – I know you're writing again. You were you were saying how you enjoy um, a more literary novel. Are you going to write something a little different this next go around, or how are you feeling on your next novel? It's definitely different. Um, my character is a pretty unusual person, and it's still in the mystery thriller genre. Mm-hmm. I'm I've just right now gotten back a first series of edits about it and it, the similar challenges, you know, where I've got to kind of mind the pace and, you know, make sure that I'm not getting too drawn into developing a character at the expense of the suspense and storytelling part. Sure. Um, but um, I, I do like developing an interesting character and uh, I, I really am excited about what I'm working on right now. I hope everybody enjoys it. Well, that's awesome. I feel like if an author isn't excited about their work, then it's just like, eh, <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah, right. It's probably got to start there. I yeah. know. Uh, there are some authors that have just over a hundred um, titles under their belt, and I'm just like, are you still loving this job? Like, you can't, you can't mm-hmm. knock out a book twice a year and still really love it. So that's that's always good to hear that an author is still really enjoying their writing process. It comes across, I think, on the page as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. So when we picked up your book, it was a little surprising that it was just under 300 pages. Was that mm-hmm. a conscious decision or did you just write until it was done and you're like, OK, well, I mean, if it's if it's that length, it's that length. Yeah, I think that, that actually starts with the um, the outlining when you first start going. And 
understanding like the the proportions of scale to you know when things are going to happen sort of along the way um if you think about it from from that in that way from the beginning you have a sense of sort of how long each part should be or how the development of something should take a certain amount of time or page space um Wow, is there like so, a mathematical, mathematical equation? Mathematical. You just made up a totally new awesome <laughs> word. I'm so tired. No, but that was brilliant. I want to use this word. It's like math in the magical realm. Yes, mathematical. It. Can you incorporate Susie, that, that in your next word. book? <laughs> I'll, I'll, that's, I'm going to write that title down right now. Yeah, if you'll just put me in the dedication, that's all I ask. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> For Susie, who was crazy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> anyway. But anyway, yeah. is there like a mathematical equation to know like, okay, so this has to happen by this point. And this has to happen, you know, like so many pages before the ending. Yeah, it's almost like kind of the guardrails on the side of a highway. Okay. Will kind of keep you – so you have a sense like you can go faster than if everything was just reform. It's actually kind of good to know – where those edges are and i'm still learning that a bit there are times where you know i the feedback i get i'm in the story i'm working on right now some of it is like well this this plot event probably has to happen sooner than it does and that there are reasons why it would and those reasons make sense sure uh so again some of that is just it's it's more about crafting a story that it will kind of continue to build steam as it goes on. Um, and it, yeah, there is, it, I wouldn't say it's mathematical necessarily, but like there are sort of portions that make sense just in the same way. Like if you were looking at the front of a house, the door and the window should be kind of a certain size. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like that with like a story where certain things should take kind of a certain like fraction of the time. Mm -hmm. So is this the, relative same length as the original draft that you did or did your editor like condense it down yeah a bit i cut a bit um so much writing yeah yeah <laughs> but there's also like some stuff if you picture like kind of a graphic equalizer on a stereo where it's like some things go up and other things go down mm -hmm. it was a little bit like that where there were certain things that needed a little bit more air and more attention and that there were other things like the part about um, being depressed or about grieving that just took up way too much space. Mm -hmm. And, you know, th those needed to get shortened. Sure. That, that, makes, sense. that makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. All right. So as gigantic readers, we, of course, want to know. We read a lot, not that we're gigantic. I just like, we're mathematical readers. <laughs> and um, so we would, of course, want to know a couple of books that you love and would pass on to us and think that we and listeners would love to read. Absolutely. Well, you know, since I've been writing more seriously, mm -hmm. my experience of being a reader is really different because I bet. Yeah, you know, I have this sense almost of being instructed about how to do certain things or I like it. Yeah, when I look at um the way an author does certain things like develop a character or um just kind of moves through a plot, I kind of can't help but think mm. well that would be that's really smart the way they're doing it. So um, when I think about books that I like, some of it is almost like I'm learning how to how to write myself by reading them. And so some some of that, you know, makes me think about what I like in my genre. 
Um, Ruth Ware's books really, I think, are fantastic. Oh, um, yeah. In a Dark, Dark Wood was fantastic. Um, I read a book uh, last spring called Behind Her Eyes. Oh, yeah. I, I can see the yeah. cover in my head. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fantastic book. And um, it it is sort of premised on a giant twist that doesn't give anything away. But um, it's so fantastic and so innovative that I really admired it. And I think that's one thing that I admire when I'm reading books is, am I, am I looking at something that I almost didn't know could be done before? I feel that way about George Saunders's books. Um, uh, yeah, he's just prolific in his own very special way. Yeah, there are times where I've read, there were a couple of short stories in his penultimate book, The Tenth of December, where I, I literally had the feeling like I didn't know you could do that. Hmm. Um, awesome. So I would, yeah, it was great, great feeling. I, I would recommend that book to anybody. That's awesome. I wonder if it's kind of like, so I'm a musician, so I can't just listen to music and enjoy it. Like I have to sit there and critique it in my head or be like, oh my God, that was so good. Like I can't just sit there and absorb it. Like, is that the same way? Do you, do you kind of read and then, not critique maybe, but do you go through like with a fine tooth comb and find things that you would do differently or things that you might, you might be like, Oh, I need to try that. Yeah. It's, it's more like the latter. I'll say that I think I read it differently, but it does not take away from my enjoyment of it. That's good. Yeah. That would be just devastating. Right. I mean, to not get any enjoyment out of reading because you've overdone, you know, or over critiquing things, I think mm. would be just sad. Sure. Yeah, I think that's right. <sighs> All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to call in and talk to us for a few minutes. We really, really appreciate it. Yes, we're very excited. Um, Susan Tavy, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Why, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. And everyone needs to go and check this book out immediately and follow RJ on Instagram. And Yeah, we'll tag you. Yeah, on Goodreads. We'll get you there, yeah. You guys rock. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. All right. We're going to take a quick break now that we're uh, done chatting with RJ, and we will be right back. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Okay, and we're back. So he's like the nicest person ever. Mm -hmm. um, he actually contacted us through Instagram, and he had a signing here in town at our local bookstore, Starline Books. And we got to meet up with him, chat with him a little bit beforehand. I got his autographed copy of my book. That's exciting. <laughs> and yes, he's super, super nice. Yeah, like sweetest guy ever. He is a an actual psychologist. He lives in Nashville, so not mm. far away from us at all. Um, right, which was another thing about the book that I enjoyed, the places that he talked about in the yeah. book. Um, I knew because he set the book in around Nashville. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, I think I like it when authors do that uh, because it you feel like you're really there because mm -hmm. they can they can spout off all these places mm -hmm. that they've been, and so I think that's mm -hmm. that's super cool. I was um, apprehensive at first about a a book reading a book with a bipolar character, but I I loved it. Really? I, yeah, I was just I wasn't sure if it was going to get too bogged down in mm. in the sadness aspect of that or like the manic. It was going to get too unreliable. Right. Or mm. like too um 
too yeah too unreliable because i mean mm-hmm. i've known people in my life with bipolar and they're they're they were not medicated at the time mm. and i didn't want to feel like that was being you know was coming in um, gotcha the unreliable the unreliability of this person sure but this character was just brilliant no i'm i was i was a little nervous after having met him and him being so nice and reading his book, I was like, what if I hate it? <laughs> I was so nervous. We did not have that problem. No, we both not, not even a little bit. It. Yeah. And I gave Five it stars. I gave it four stars. What? I know. You know, I don't like to give five stars mm-hmm. because. And we're actually going to talk about that in our next episode. Yes. But I'm very proud of the four stars that I gave him. Mm-hmm. Very well deserved. I'm super excited to see what he's got coming out mm-hmm. next. And from what I hear, he'll have another one coming out early next year. That's awesome. So I'm I'm very yeah. excited about I, it. I love this book all the way around. I mean, I, I think it's, it was just a smidge slow getting started, but I think that was me mm-hmm. more than the book. But once I got in there and, and got going with it, it was brilliant. And I, it kept me guessing. It kept me on my toes. There were twists that I didn't see coming. I was like, right. what? <laughs> and yeah it was just super it was super cool also Paolo seemed pretty cool I need to be like an Italian I was movie starish kind of guy he wasn't Italian he was foreign he was Argentinian oh Argentinian my bad so in my head it was like um uh what's that guy that played Zorro Antonio Banderas. <laughs> I was thinking a young Antonio mm-hmm. Banderas. Oh. I was like, Grr. Yeah. <laughs> did, you, did, you just, did you just purr? <laughs> uh, I saw a thing about, um, it was a throne, or it was a Court of Mist and Fury, Thorn and Roses meme, and it was Resand, and it was like, Brain sees Feyre. Purr. Why? You gotta. <laughs> Also, I like how we, we just incorporate Sarah J. Mass into every episode. Right. She's she's just so wonderful. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, I, lo- I love Drew Sam, but he, he does purr excessively. <laughs> I'm so good at purring. Sure you are. Sure you are. I totally knew Paolo was Argentinian. That's part of the story. I don't know sure. where I... Sure you did. No, I did. I don't know where I... I was just thinking, I guess, Paolo Italian, but hmm. it happened in my head. Only Italians can use that name. Only Italians can be named Paolo. <laughs> oh, man, I could have asked him why he chose Paolo to be... The catalyst? Uh, no, uh, more like why he chose Paolo to be that ethnicity. Like, mm-hmm. it was. did that mean anything, or was he just, like, on a map, like, pointed his finger and found a country, and there he was, or... I don't know. Uh, let's call him back. Maybe we can have him on again and we can talk to him about that. Maybe. Or maybe we'll just have him on again and talk about his next book. But I do think of this in relationship to other like mental health books. Like I, I read a lot of personal development. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that to bring light to the mental health world in such a way that the character is not the, the villain but the hero mm. was just really good. Oh, yeah. I think... I've said this before, but I think that readers are some of the most empathetic people. And and I think it's because you choose what you inhale. Like you choose what you what you read. And when you choose something where someone that suffers from mental health but it is not a barrier or they don't treat it like one, mm-hmm. I think it it means the world. I think mm-hmm. it it changes how 
you perceive things. Mm -hmm. And so someone that has read this book and so, and understands that not Mm -hmm. every bipolar disorder is the same and Mm -hmm. not everyone is always manic all the time. Mm -hmm. Like they're portrayed so much in media. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that someone will think twice maybe Mm -hmm. about misconstruing a person. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I will personally having met and dated someone who was unmedicated bipolar, Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it could be like they could be mm-hmm. this okay high functioning yeah this, this well functioning yeah um so i i it changed my opinion of that for sure yeah i loved it and i love that he is a psychologist and mm-hmm. so he knows exactly what he's talking about mm-hmm. right and like i said the descriptions of stuff that i've dealt with mm-hmm. were just so spot on it was like oh yes someone else someone else like that. someone else knows it but the, also the way you describe it is so much better than I could. Yeah. Sometimes you can't describe what's happening in your own head, but someone else putting it down and you're like, yes, that's it. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. No, I totally, totally understand. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad we met him. Me too. Okay. Well, thanks for hanging out with us guys. Yes. We really appreciate it. And like I said, go check out RJ's book. It was super duper awesome. And we really appreciate that you guys have given us the opportunity to interview authors. We're hoping to do it again very soon yeah we both kind of fangirled a little i know when i first got the message i was like oh my god (laughs) an author me too yeah super excited all right right, guys thank you guys and we will see you next time Bye. bye